Good morning, everyone. Welcome to 10 Minutes of Meaning. Help yourself to coffee and donuts. As always, we thank Becky and Avi Katz for sponsoring in memory of Becky's father, Lili Nishmas, David ben Menachem Manash. We're learning Mesila Susharim, the great words of the Ramchal, who is enlightening and illuminating our path in life, not to restrict us or constrict us. The Ramchal very beautifully describes, quoting a Pasuk in Tehillim, that the purpose of Torah is l'his'aneg al-Hashem, it's to get high on God. It's very, very different than the way many of us uh, were led to believe that Judaism is all about sacrifice and service and giving up what we'd want to be doing, giving up pleasures in order to make Hashem happy. It's the opposite. By embracing Hashem's instruction manual for us in our lives is the only way to tap into authentic happiness and it's the only way to realize the very best version of ourselves. So the Ramchal, the entire Mesilas Hashem, is based on the formula of Rav Binchas ben Yair the 12 steps to perfection, how to lead our best lives. We only have one life and we want it to be our best one. We want to maximize our joy, our pleasure, our happiness, and even more so our meaning and purpose in this world. And the only way to maximize meaning and purpose is to live a life of mindfulness, of presence, not to wake up at the end of life and have, no, and have great regrets and no opportunity to do things differently. But while we still have energy, while we still have time left to live, to transform that time to live our, le- our best lives yet. It's exactly the essence of Mesila Susharim. That Judaism and Torah is a platform, not for sacrifice and service, those are, those are elements of religious life, but it's a platform for how to find the greatest meaning and the greatest purpose, how to live our best lives yet. So in the fifth parak where he's describing this meet the character trait of Zahirus, of how to live with intentionality and mindfulness, how to live life where we're not just letting momentum carry us, or traction, we're not animals driven by impulse or instinct, but we're present in every decision, and every word, in every behavior, and all that we're doing, we're doing it with intentionality, with strategy, we're doing it with conscientiousness and with mindfulness. And the Ramchal has been describing that there are obstacles, there are things that knock us off course, there are things that try to get in our way, and we know that from when we wake up in the morning, our day, we have the greatest intentions about when we'll get to davening and what the quality of our davening will be, about the meetings, the conversations, the learning, the volunteering, the time we'll spend with family. We wake up in the morning with the greatest intentions and yet we go to sleep at night with the greatest of guilt of all the things we meant to do we didn't get to, all the things we did we shouldn't have done, all the time which we can never recover and get back. So how can we go to sleep with no guilt instead? How can we go to sleep with satisfaction that we led, we led the day, we led our lives in the day the way we wanted to. So we have to eliminate the obstacles. And if you recall, the Ramchal has delineated that there are three major obstacles that cause us to concede or forfeit our mindfulness and instead to act impulsively, instinctively, and to do things which we later regret. The first, he said, is when we're overly involved and engaged in this world, worldly matters, worldly occupations, and preoccupations. When you're obsessed with sports and the stock market and following politics and the news cycle and the fake news cycle and you have no time and no energy and no margin and no space left in your brain to be thinking or strategizing or present in anything else. And number two is the one we're on, which is late sunnus. When a person is cynical, when you're a scoffer, when you take nothing seriously, then you can't possibly be present and mindful in all that we do. So that's what we're up to, the middle of parakeh. If a person has a shield, and they're in battle, and they smear the shield with oil, when an arrow hits the shield, it's going to slide right off because the oil 
has made the shield slippery. Leitzanus, cynicism, sarcasm, mockery, scoffing, is like living life where one is coated in oil. So even the messages and the lessons, the world, the universe, the Rebonishol and people around us are constantly broadcasting messages to us that we can learn from. If we just have our antenna up and we're open to listening to the messages that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is communicating through the universe and through people, there's so much that we can gain and we can learn and we can be enriched by. But if like a shield that's covered in oil, late sun, sarcasm and cynicism causes us to dismiss and to neglect and to negate and to reject every message, then we are the ones who suffer. You could read something or listen to something or have a conversation with someone and there's so much there. But if you walk away and you say, ah, they're a hypocrite, ah, they're not real, ah, they don't really mean it, ah, who are they, ah, that wasn't so good, ah, everybody knows that already, I learned nothing new. The cynic has in their arsenal a toolbox no shortage of ways to reject or dismiss the messages that they're hearing. So, as we mentioned last time, one sabotages their own life. If you're cynical, what kind of relationship could you have? Your spouse is trying to confide in you about something very, very meaningful to them. Your child is trying to open up to you. Someone is trying to impress you. There's something worthy of your awe, your admiration, your affection. But if you're a cynic, you're closed, you're hardened, you're scared and you're unable to experience relationships with others, with Hashem, or even with yourself. It all falls to the ground. None of it leaves an impression on you. You're no better off. We know that the greatest people are the ones who spend their lives learning. It's not a coincidence that our most righteous scholars are called Talmidei Chachamim, a Talmud Chacham. Why not just a Chacham? Because in our tradition, to be a Chacham... You have to remain a Talmud. The individual who thinks they've arrived and they're a Chacham. I've learned everything there is to learn. I know everything there is to know. And I'm done learning in life. Is not the person that we turn to. It's not the Chacham. It's the Talmud Chacham. Because a Chacham is a lifelong Talmud. In order for us to be the best version of ourselves, it has to be a lifelong pursuit of learning. We're never done learning. Forever and ever and ever. So the cynic, the scoffer, who takes nothing seriously, dismisses everything, thinks they know everything, makes a joke out of everything, is not involved in lifelong learning. They're not involved in one moment of learning. They never improve, they never grow, they never learn because nothing is worth their accepting. The Navi used to scream about this. Yeshaya saw that nobody left an opening to be able to listen or grow or be inspired by anyone. This is what the Pasuk in Mishlei says, punishment awaits the scorner. What's the punishment that awaits the lates? It's not an external punishment. It's not that Hashem is going to strike the cynic with lightning. It's that the cynic has punished themselves already by creating that barrier in the relationships, by not being able to be real or true to themselves or others, by dismissing everything and everyone around them, the cynic has caused a punishment to themselves. A person who actually is listening to the messages of the world doesn't need Hashem to redirect and nudge them. 
doesn't need Hashem to redirect and nudge them. Shabbos HaGadol, working on the drasha, is going to be about the Seder. The Seder night is a model for Avodas Hashem the whole year of living with Seder. It's a very, very bizarre kind of paradoxical situation. You'd think you'd celebrate freedom with no rules. In college, in university, they finish finals and you party the whole night long. You're sick of having to have rules and boundaries and regulations. Freedom should equal at least the potential for chaos. The freedom and liberty to do whatever you want. And what do we do the night of our freedom? We sit down and we have a rigid meeting that begins with an agenda and we sing the agenda to start the night. Imagine you come to a board meeting and you start singing the agenda. New business, old business, good and welfare. That's what we do Seder night. Why? We'll get to because Seder, living with Seder, order, discipline, organization, rules, is actually how we achieve freedom. So we'll talk about an article in the Wall Street Journal, a, a review of a recent Harvard professor book about you can only have freedom if you have discipline, where the rules nudge you towards where you need to go, towards where we need to go. So the world is nudging us where we need to go. Sometimes it's our spouse, it's our children, it's our friend, it's our boss, it's our rabbi. It's something we've read, it's something we've learned, it's something we've heard. And it says, you know, that opens my eyes. I really could think about that differently. I really could behave differently. I could be a better mother, father, husband, wife. I could be more punctual on time. I could be better organized. I could be more disciplined. I could find that time to learn. But we have to be open to hearing the message. So when we're open to hearing the message, says the Ramchal, we change, we're inspired and motivated, we're driven and stimulated to change on our own, then I don't need Hashem to set conditions that wake me up to change. But if I'm closed, if the late, the cynic, the scoffer dismisses and rejects everything and they're closed down to hearing any messages, Hashem says, okay, you don't want to hear any messages? I'll make you hear a message. And then a Baruch Hu sends things our ways and puts us in compromised and challenging positions where we have no choice but to learn the lesson as they say, the hard way. If we're open to hearing and we change, Kishbaruch says, I see they changed on their own, they're good. If we're shut down, then he needs to do a little something to nudge us, to wake us up. The Makos, as an example, as we're getting ready for Pesach, I'll give you a little something for the Seder night. Why did Kodesh Baruch Hu send the Makos? Kodesh Baruch Hu needed pomp and circumstance, he needed to impress the universe. Hashem Chalil is so arrogant, so egotistical, so narcissistic. He needed us to spend a whole night praising Him and admiring Him and worshipping Him. And look how He tr- transcended the rules of nature and afflicted the Egyptians with these incredible plagues. That's not that Kodesh Baruch Hu. We know He's a Kel Mestater. Kodesh Baruch Hu is modest. He's hidden. He wants to remain hidden. He wants the world to unfold on its own with Him in the background. He wants to be hiding behind the curtain. So why did He violate His own rules to perform the Eser Makos? And the first Shemal point out, the Kliyakar in particular, you don't have to look further than the text. The text itself tells us. When Moshe first goes to Paro, Paro says, I never heard of this God. Who? I'm sorry, who did you say you're here on behalf of? Who sent you? I never heard of him. Who's your boss? I never heard of him. I never saw him. I don't believe in him. I don't know what you're talking about. Hashem says, oh, you don't know who I am? You never heard of me? You don't know what I'm talking about? I'm about to send you a curriculum. It's made up of 10 parts. And you're going to learn very quickly who I am. And the Kliyakar describes 
Rabbi Yehuda, who breaks up this acronym of the Makos into the three, like this is such a contribution, we read it and attribute it to Rabbi Yehuda, like it's such a brilliant contribution to our Seder that he was able to come up with this acronym. What was the contribution? So the Kliyakar describes is that breaking it up into three is a curriculum of three independent lessons Hashem is teaching Paro. This is who I am, I control nature, and I control you. And through the Makos, each of those Makos corresponds with Hashem, a curriculum of teaching another lesson. So some of Farshim say the curriculum was for Paro and the Mitzrim. Others say the curriculum is for the Jewish people. He's taking them out of Egypt and he's telling them, as you come join me on this journey, I want you to, I, let me introduce myself. I'm violating my normal rule of being hidden behind the curtain. And I'm exposing and revealing myself because I want you to know who I am and that I'm here. So why did Hashem have to strike the Egyptians if they would have listened to Moshe and Aaron? If they would have not been a cynic and a scoffer and said, oh, you're here from God, let me hear what you have to say. I'm open to learning, I'm open to growing. They would have avoided the Makos. But because they rejected with cynicism and sarcasm the message of Moshe, they needed to learn the hard way. And says the Ramchal, the same is true for us. When our antenna is extended and when we're open to hearing the messages around us and to grow and improve, then Akash Baruch Hu says they're good on their own. They've been nudged through the people around them. I don't need to nudge them with makos, with afflictions in their life. And if we're not, if we reject those messages all around us, then unfortunately we need to learn the hard way. Hopefully we will learn the easy way and improve ourselves. Have a fantastic day.